So hopefully we're learning a lot in our relationships here. My notes are down at my seat, so I got to go get those. And um, hopefully God is teaching us a lot. As I was going through the the book preparing for today, I was thinking, man, there's a lot of lessons uh, that God is teaching uh, all of us. And it's always good to be growing. Our relationships, I think, is one of the main ways that we grow. We have issues, we have conflicts, we have encouragement, we have people that believe in us. And uh, speaking of growing, I'm, this I got to finish the letter from the Birmingham jail this week. And really, um, why do I why do I do that? Because I want to grow. Because I want to learn. I want to I want to learn. Uh, uh, about my friends, about my family. I want to continue to grow personally. And I'm personally inspired by the faith that is expressed uh, here. And this scripture kind of encapsulated some of the faith that I was hearing as I was reading this letter. It says, Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the fa- sake of your name, lead and guide me. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. And you could just see he was just dealing with all these relationships. And I don't share these things to throw guilt on anybody, but to maybe be a model that we can always continue to grow. This, by sharing this, it may not make all the difference that our world needs. We need a lot. But it might make just a little difference. And that's what I'm going for. One of the parts of the letter that I, that doesn't often get quoted, probably because it's a little bit longer, I wanted to read to you was something that stood out as Martin Luther King was called an extremist and he, as he wrote this letter to these eight uh, church leaders, eight white church leaders in the area. And they called him an extremist and Uh, It just got him thinking, which in turn got me thinking, which hopefully will get you thinking. And it also goes along with the lesson today. He says, was not Jesus an extremist in love? Love your enemies, bless those that curse you, and pray for those that despise you. Was not Amos an extremist for justice? Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Was not Paul an extremist for the gospel of Christ when he said, I bear in my body the marks of our Lord Jesus? Was not Abraham Lincoln an extremist by saying this nation cannot survive half slave and half free? Was not Thomas Jefferson an extremist when he said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal? So the question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists will we be? Will we be extremists for hate or will we be extremists for love? And that just left me with the question that I want to be an extremist for Christ, for loving people, for loving God. And it helped me to think about how extreme the message of Christ was. And that's the message that we share today. And today we're going to be talking about some of that extreme love with Jesus washing the disciples' feet. 
So let's pray with me and we will we'll get started. Uh, Father, we thank you for this time. I pray that you uh, keep us alert. God, help us to be in step with your spirit. Uh, even before, as we sang, that your spirit, Holy Spirit would be here. I pray that it, he will stir us and, and move and motivate us to love you, to love one another more, and to be all that you call us to be. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I came across this quote when thinking about relationships, and it said, Love in practice is a harsh and dreaded thing compared to the love in your dreams. And so, like, we have this picture of what love is going to be and how amazing it is, and then the reality is it's hard and it's challenging and it's difficult and it's good, but it's also all these things. And when we have church, sometimes we expect, oh, man, it's going to be this, like, holy experience that we're just going to lift up into the clouds and people are going to have to just pull us down because we're so holy. And then we hang out with people and they hurt our feelings and they cause us to struggle and they don't think like us and and we're kind of practicing this harsh and dreaded thing that helps us to be more like Christ, that helps us to grow. And I've learned so many things uh, even these past few months thinking about relationships. And one of the ones that uh, I want to... A couple of the ones I wanted to share was one that Roy mentioned. He said, conflict is normal for Jesus. That in my nature, I want everything to be all good all the time. So I want to walk in and have there be zero tension and all hugs and smiles, right? But that wasn't Jesus. Everywhere he went, he loved people, but there was always some kind of tension going on. Somebody didn't like it or whatever was happening And so to be true peacemakers is not to be conflict avoiders or people that want to appease other people, but those who speak the truth in love. And I came across the quote, true peacemakers love God enough to disrupt false peace whenever necessary. And so being willing to put ourselves out there for the sake of truth and for the sake of God That was one of the the many things that I got out of this uh, time together. And unfortunately, and maybe fortunately, God has given me a lot of uncomfortable situations to be in to be able to put that into practice and to remind myself, you know what, this is good. God is forging this in me. He's helping me to stand up for uh, truth, and he's also helping me to grow. I had a meeting Last week, and I had to have three conversations afterward because of putting my foot in my mouth in the meeting. You ever done that before? It was, wasn't fun, but it was really good. Because we're all friends to start with. But just to be able to work that out. But it was kind of that uncomfortable feeling of like, man, i got to deal with this. But God really uses those type of things. So when you feel that, Whatever you call it in your gut that feels uncomfortable, be reminded that's a good thing. That God is going to bring unity out of that and growth. And to instead of shy away from those things as a church, but to be able to lean into those things and want to grow, want to be more like Christ. And we end up getting closer to each other when we do that in love. Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk about Jesus and his disciples loving each other, and Jesus particularly. Number one. Jesus knew who he was. 
And sometimes in relationships, we get so, if, if you listen well, sometimes you get so pulled into other people's problems that you can kind of forget where you are. That you can be so involved in someone else's life that you kind of lose track of where you were. And that wasn't what Jesus did. He always knew who he was when he entered into somebody else's world. And we're going to look at uh, John chapter 13 here. He says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. That's pretty amazing. As Jesus was going into the most difficult time of his life, he recognized that he was the Son of God. He recognized that he was coming from heaven and he was going to go back there. That he had that vision in his mind. And yet he still chose to do what he did next. He said... In view of that, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And it was, it's amazing, like I said before, that Jesus loved them to the very end. That he knew that he, was, he had come from God. You know, sometimes we have a problem in our relationships because we don't know that. Because we don't walk around with that inside of us. That vision of where we're from and where we're going. That vision of whose we are, that we are sons and daughters of God. You know, when Jesus got twice in his life, he had a voice that came down and said, This is my son whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And that's what gave him strength in difficulties, that he got strength from God. Sometimes we lose that, and we don't know who we are, and we kind of drift, and we get caught up in emotions or other people's lives that we forget whose we are. And I want to remind you today that that's where we're all going, that we've come from God, and we're going to this place. This is actually on St. Elizabeth's convent. But just the vision, if we could just see that for one second. You know what? You've already seen it. You've already had those moments where, if you've been around for any length of time, that you've seen what heaven is going to be like. You've gotten a vision of, man, it's going to be amazing. Maybe it's when you were at a singing your favorite worship song and felt like you could sing all night. Maybe you were out praying all night. Maybe you were just weeping in your car as you were overcoming something. You've seen the glory of God. And it's so easy to forget where we are going. It puts our problems in perspective. It allows us to be able to put ourselves out there for other people because we know that God's got my back. And I love that about Jesus, that he recognized where he was going. At the time, 
the guys didn't really notice that. It wasn't until later that they remembered that. Let's go on here. He says, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord said to Simon, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not every one of you was clean. And so he's washing everybody's feet, and I'm sure that was really uncomfortable. To have Jesus taking the role of a servant, and he gets to Peter, and Peter's like, no, you're not washing my feet, Jesus, that's not happening. And we could think, you know, that that's a bad, Peter, what are you doing? Just let him, this is a good thing. But basically, Peter was saying, no, you're the Lord. I won't let you be the servant. So he's trying to stand up for Jesus here. He's trying to show respect. Jesus, I'm not, I'm not worthy to have you wash my feet. That's not going to happen. Maybe if you, I don't know, somehow if you wash your head, you're not a servant. I don't know why he said that. But he, you know, then Jesus said, if you can't let me wash your feet, then how are you going to let me die for you? If you can't even go through this, Peter, tomorrow I'm going to be dying for you. You're going to have to accept that. You know, Peter didn't know that at the time. And it's this is already twice in this passage that they mentioned Judas, um, where Jesus said he already knew the one who was going to betray him. And before it said that Judas was already prompted by the devil. And I started thinking, he mentions Judas like four or five times in this passage. And in my mind, I'm thinking, why would you bring that up so many times? I mean, we don't really care about Judas in a way, right? He's a non-player in this story. We're talking about Jesus. But I think that he mentions that because we've all been betrayed. We've all been hurt. We've all had people turn on us. And yet Jesus continued to serve them and continued to do what's right. And that's one of the most uncomfortable things. But I found this quote. It said that our enemies are what make us saints. That they refine us. That they help us. Maybe it's your customers at work or maybe it's your family member, or maybe it's your next-door neighbor, or maybe whoever it is. Maybe, But that person is refining us. He's refined, They're refining you to make you more like Christ. And if you're like me, we want to avoid those people. Right? Because, like I shared, I don't like conflict. So, I, But God doesn't let us do what we want. <laughs> it's impossible there, because we want to be like Christ. He's going to put people in our lives that challenge us and help us to grow and help us to love those that don't love us. So Jesus took on this role of washing the feet of his disciples. And I think sometimes, maybe some of you will relate to this, sometimes I feel pretty confident in my relationship with God. So I feel like, man, me and God, I'm 
of course, I'm his son. We're walking together. He's my pops. We're doing, we're doing life together. Maybe you don't feel this way, but humor me for a minute if you do. But it's almost like I can feel like, isn't Jesus lucky to be able to wash my feet? Like, that's what he came to do. That's like, that's what he's supposed to do. That I don't have that. I don't deserve this like Peter had. I don't deserve you to wash my feet. And this passage kind of takes me down a few notches to recognize that that's who, you know who it is that wants, that's washing your feet? You know who it is that died for, for you and for me? I can get so comfortable with that and so uh, secure that I lose that. You know, I don't deserve this. I need to humble myself to recognize that who it is that's washing my sins away, who it is that's washing my feet. And others of you may be on the other side of that where you don't feel like a son or daughter and you need to feel that more. That yes, Jesus does want to serve you. That he did consider it a joy to die for you. But wherever you're at, to recognize this amazing act of love that Jesus gave us. My point number two is that he chose the way of the cross in his last night. I don't think that would be, we're going to have a party and we're going to get together and I'm going to wash your feet. That wouldn't really be my like big send off, right? <laughs> I could think of a few more exciting ways to go out. But then I started thinking that maybe Jesus was hosting this party and it is fun to host your friends, right? To serve and cook the meal and have it be there and have everybody be around and this great fellowship. And so maybe Jesus was that host that just went the extra mile to show the love that he had for each of his, of his guys. That made a lot more sense to me. And it connected with the scripture in Philippians 2 that said, And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God, in verse 6, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And I started thinking about that, how this passage demonstrates his heart, that he would come down and die for each of us and serve us. And I started thinking about Peter, when he was called and, you know, when you go on reading, it gets pretty intense there where Jesus even questions Peter. When he says, I love you, I'm going to die for you, I'm, going to, I'm never going to leave you. And he says, really? You're going to deny me three times tonight. And the book of John is like that. You, you think you have faith and then you hang out with Jesus and you go, well, I don't know, maybe I don't. You think you're doing well and, no, maybe I'm not. And then he took Peter down a few notches that day. But even as I was looking, there's even some 
sermons and, and books and everything written about the gospel of the rooster and talking about second chances and how even when we blow it, that God's there to give us a hand up. That we can, that Jesus didn't say you're going to deny me to put him down. He, he just acknowledged that, hey, you, you guys need this. You're not as strong as you think you are. But I'm going to get you through that he believed in every single person there. Sometimes we're not as strong as we think we are. But we're strong enough for Jesus. He's the one that's strong, not us. I imagine Judas there and all the times that he was mentioned. And just imagine how we can love those people in our lives, the enemies that he's made in our lives. Imagine him betraying him even with a kiss that's become immortalized. I don't think anybody names their kid Judas after this. I don't have any friends named Judas. <laughs> As I read before, he said, when he finished washing their feet and put their clothes on him, he returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, and that is what, who I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so you should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You'll be blessed if you do them. And it was interesting here how Jesus says that you call me teacher and Lord. And you're right. That's what I am. That he was reminding them that he's the teacher. That we're the students, that we always need to be learning from him. If we reach a place where we feel like we're the teacher, then Jesus isn't the teacher anymore. He calls us to continue to learn and continue to grow from him. And he reminds them that he is the Lord, that that's not you, that's me. That's him, not me. That you don't get to call the shots in your life anymore. He does. I don't think they really understood what that meant in the moment. But 30 years later, I bet they did. That's good for us to be reminded, for those of us that have made that decision to enter that relationship with Christ as making him our teacher and our Lord, that that's what he is. That he still demands that place in our lives. That he wants to teach us and us to learn from him and he wants to call the shots in our life, not us. Sometimes we can feel like we make all these decisions and good decisions and maybe take credit for some of our good decisions And fail to recognize that, you know what, he's the one I need to follow. He's the one that needs to call the shots in my life. And then I'll be blessed. He said, you'll be blessed if you do them. And as I mentioned before, to be able to look around and make that commitment to one another that we, he called us because of his, 
position that we would be there for one another. And we have been for one another, but to continue to be there for every single one of us here. That that's the fellowship that he was trying to set up. That's why he washed the feet to begin with. Not because he needed to show that he loved them. He did, but he was going to do that the next day. But he did that for us so that we could follow his example. And as you continue reading the rest of the chapter, uh, it gets really uncomfortable, like I said, with them talking about him talking about betrayal and them not knowing where they're going to go. And he said, don't worry, you'll get there. And they don't know where, where he's going. Judas leaves and he said he's only going to be there a little bit longer. And then he talks about Peter and everyone going to deny him. And I pray that we can, uh, as I was reading it, I just felt like, man, that was a really uncomfortable dinner. We kind of maybe idealized this Passover meal. It was really uncomfortable dinner <laughs> from beginning to end. Him talking about dying and him talking about being betrayed and they were depressed and all of you are going to leave me and I'm going away. And it was very uncomfortable. And it kind of left things unopen and uneasy until he came back and resolved everything. And so that's our faith, that when we are left uncomfortable, that we look to Jesus to come and put it all back together and ultimately take us home to be with him. So let's pray, and we will then we'll have our final song. All right, let's have a prayer. Uh, God, thank you so much for this day, just for the time to worship you, to be with you. Uh, God, help us to recognize you as a teacher and Lord in our life. Thank you that you laid down, that you chose to be a servant for us. God, help us to continue to grow in our love for one another, to look around at our brothers and sisters and, and take care of one another, God, and be there for each other and pray for one another and Really take that uh, challenge that you gave to them seriously as you also give it to us. God, thank you for this community that you've given us and for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.